So today's guest, I want to thank her. She's a good friend of mine. I've known her for over 20 years, probably close to 25 or 6. I don't know if I met you when I was 20 or when I was 19. I know it was before I was 21. Corey Cobble is joining me today on Into the Friar Ramblings from the Kitchen. Corey, thank you so much for joining me on Sunday afternoon. How are you? Oh, I'm amazing. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, did you just see that? That's fine. No big okay. Deal. Sorry about that. We might have to start that over. No, we're good. I have um, somebody who's trying to FaceTime me right now. Bring them on. Bring them on. <laughs> FaceTime. So we'll have it all. We'll have like a, a three-way conversation and we'll go for do, it. Do not disturb. That was amazing right there. That's great. Okay. So what's going on in, in the LBC on this lovely Sunday? Oh my gosh. I had such an amazing time last night. My son came over with some of his friends that um, I've known and that he's known since he was in kindergarten here the Lowell Rogers Wilson crew. And um, it just warms my heart. I feel so grateful to be able to have this. I wrote something the other day, but this independent, loving, new, new development in my relationship with my son and, and his friends. And it's just really incredible. I feel really fortunate to be a part of it. I had a blast. Nice. And how old is he now? I, th- I, I want to say he's 19, 18, 19, 20, close to that. Hmm. How old is he? So he's 21. 21. Oh, he's I just saw that. Yeah, he's going to be in, um, in May. Wow. I know. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Well, yes, it's incredible. <laughs> and then when I think back along the timeline of, of, when, of how you and I have known each other and how we came to know each other, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought there was more time if if you would have asked me yesterday mm. or 10 minutes ago i would have said that we knew each other for much longer before before max was born yes i mean i think you're right i i was thinking about this the other day i was talking to lindsay my wife about it i was like you know i i don't know i mean i we did know each other so how old are you are you telling anybody <laughs> Me? No. I'm 45. Okay, you're 45. I'm 45. So yeah, hell, hell yeah. That means yeah. that I met you when you were 20. Yes. So that means that means we've known each. So I guess maybe were you 20? Is that right? Uh, well, well, yeah. You know, I, I was get us I, right into leading us into this. When did you start in the kitchen at Christie's? I was at Christie's. Mm-hmm. Were well, you 19? 1995. Nin- February of 1995, I had just turned 21, but we met before that. We did. Because I was just relating a story with to Hillary last night about how um, I had been coming into the Reno room. No, of course. <laughs> I had been coming into the Reno room. I was working at Bonagente. Oh. And I think, I want to say Flavio, who was the original chef that opened up Christie's. Yes. He and I would, I think, go there from time to time. And then I remember coming in with my sister on my 21st birthday, and you and I had already known each other. And you were like, oh, what's going on? And, and I was like, oh, it's my birthday. And you got so upset with me. Well, because 
I had already been serving you Sierra Nevadas for, oh, yeah. right? For I mean, a that while. Was, I think that was your beer, if I remember correctly. <laughs> At the Reno room, it was for yes, sure. Right. I mean, that was. <laughs> and then I just remember just when somebody said or you said I was 21, I was so mad at you. I know you were. But we had had a relationship, so you're right. I mean, we had met and had conversations, and I mean, I don't remember you being a, like a complete regular, but I definitely remember, you know, there would be moments. But um, And then, it, you know, the, our, obviously our friendship just was really natural. That's it how was. I feel about it. I mean, I just, there was automatically a natural um, connection. I mean, even just listening to your voice, it's really familiar to me. I feel that I feel the same exact way. It was, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, uh, I have nothing, but I ha we're going to get invaded here by this oh, little guy. Hi. What's that buddy? I'm going to die. Oh, all right. Do you want to say hi to my friend, Corey? Hi. <laughs> well, you go have fun. Okay, bud. Okay. My goodness. And I'm so super cute. lucky. So lucky. You are. I live vicariously to your, you know, to see you and your family through social media. It's amazing. It is. It I'm is. Happy it's, for you it's been an interesting journey. One I never thought that I would, I would be a part of, um, given the fact how I lived for such a long time. But I know, but I could absolutely see that inside of you. I mean, early I saw that inside of you. It's something that when you meet... I mean, I just saw you as yeah, somebody who wanted that. I really did. I did. I I did. I just I think at certain points of my life I couldn't get out of my own way, and I and I was just uh, like on a. I was just on a. I was just a steamroller of of destruction and and creating creating just a wake of like shit behind me that, that I had to go back. Um, you know, fortunately I got the opportunity to go back and clean a lot of it up. Um, so, you know, and try to try to now it's more of like, uh, helpful to some and harmful to none. <laughs> <laughs> that's Little, it. I mean, that's the, the, the road of consciousness and awareness. I mean, all that little, those noises in the background are, there's so much joy in that because if you don't miss the moment in them, if you don't, or if you don't get caught up, I should say, in the emotion of the reaction of the moment, you know that that is shaping your children right now. Those experiences, and yeah. it's incredible what they all learn and come out with. I mean, really, yeah. especially if you're trying to be a more conscious human being, right? Yeah, and that and that's obvious when you know you. So. Well, it's really you. funny because when you, I know we're not talking about you today, but. You can talk about but, whatever you want. But when I think about, you know, the, even the, the work that I do or the breakdowns that we have to have in order for us to get to the other side of something, sometimes, not, a, not all the time do we have to have breakdowns, but I don't, I mean, I, I, you are a very passionate person in the kitchen. And to say the you, least. And you were and you were dealing with, in my opinion, a lot of just frustration and disappointment. And really you were highly critical of yourself. It was like an imploding thing, even though it exploded sometimes. But oh, yeah. you were working shit out. I mean, seriously. I could and that was something we were all working, we're all working stuff out, but you know, you were 
those are the moments that I remember and they weren't, I mean, there were so many more positive and so many more neutral moments, but, but those moments that you would pop, it wasn't ever directed to others, even though people were in your way, Uh, (laughs) even though some plates were in the way of (laughs) people were in the way of some plates, but it wasn't about them. Even though you would get really frustrated in and maybe at them, it wasn't about them. Does never. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Never. I mean, yeah. I could think. I could think of maybe. <laughs> well, there was one person that probably really maybe triggered some things. On a oh, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. But I, I mean, so like a, a, even a push, you know, whatever, a button pusher. But oh, I was just. It, it's funny because. I was talking about some. I was talking about the opening night of Bono's last night with Hillary, and how you how you saved the day. Well, um, do you remember how I had to stand on the table? Do you remember oh, me standing on the table in in the middle of the dining room? In the middle of the dining room. Yeah, when because well, what I it's funny, and we'll we'll circle back to so, well, some sort of semblance of a start. But I remember what I was t- what I was remembering last night was that we were trying to be cool and do like the the mock dining thing and like hey and come down and and then and then at some point i i started to realize that like people were just taking advantage and we were going to run out of food by like if we and we had planned to do it on saturday and sunday and and i was like i I remember going to christy and going like hey we're gonna run out of food we need to stop and then and then she's like fuck you (laughs) and like and i'm like and at that at that point of life for me, I was I was like, I I that's I wouldn't say I was at my worst with my disease at that point, but I was pretty damn damn close. Cause, and and like and I was like what? And and she said it again, and then I, I was like, we're gonna we're I'm trying to save you right now. We're like we're not gonna have any and and go and like it was like again. And then boom again, and I was like, "Oh, really? That's how you want to do it?" And I remember I walked into the kitchen, and I think you you guys were both going behind me, and I was like, "Everybody, put your fucking, you know, every turn everything off." If you ser- and I and I was like, "If you serve one more plate of food, anybody serves a plate of food, you're fired." And then and then she came in and start and kept saying it, and then I was like, "Say that one more time." And then she yes. did, and I just was like, whoosh, 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 and started taking off my coat, and I remember like walking out down the alley and you came running after me and brought me back and we you and I like I remember sitting outside with you for mm. such for a long time and just having a conversation and then mm. you were able to bring her in and I mean it was yeah that was a that was a precarious beginning to well sure. and and my whole life made me prepared for those moments my whole life was about preparing me to, not because I was a good mediator, but because I truly cared about people suffering always yeah. and didn't want them and found a way out of that for them and, for, and to be able to participate in that. And, and especially the ones, again, that I cared about. I mean, that was, that was something that started with me as a little, we Corey <laughs> with my mother and my father and learning how to, you know, navigate, you know, their, their amazing, passionate, strong personalities. And then my natural and my natural caregiving and leadership. It just was part of it. And I remember that day 
And we're really talking about the opening of Bono's, right? Do you remember what year that was? I think Max was five. So 2003. Was it 2003? Uh, yeah, I, I, it was 2003 or 2002. I mean, I only, I only, because I think we were six months in when that's I. That's right. You're right. You're right. I think that's, that's about right. 2002. So, I mean, it was, um, and it was part of already these patterns that I had been in. I mean, it's interesting that you're even describing this opening this way because I did that show Chef Wanted with um, Anne Burrell later with Christy mm-hmm. at Christy's on Broadway. And I remember being in that situation with the producer in my ear. And I remember it feeling very familiar to me that moment in the kitchen. I went back and I watched the show and it's just so ridiculous. But they got me to react in an old way that I really stopped reacting in. And so in that moment when we were at Bono's and all of that was going down, part of the problem initially was, you know, I, as the front of the house manager, I had no experience in opening up and really I had event experience. I had small restaurant business experience, but that caliber of restaurant, I had no experience in opening up and training. And I feel like there was a really great kind of fly by the seat of your pants and it did, it did well for the most part, but there was a breaking point in all of that. And part of that was my responsibility really. And and of managing that. And I just didn't, I just didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, that was the first knowing that I had of that experience and, right. um, and that kind of intensity of seating 150 people and all the tickets firing <laughs> at one time and not realizing how many people were going to say yes. And then how many people lied about wanting to come in because it was the hot new spot. Right. So yeah. we had plates and food for the reservations but there was probably another hundred people that oh, squeaked their way in. I mean, Matt, <laughs> that's really what happened. So there was no management of that, right? And I just remember moment, what, it never even occurred to me that people would do that, right? I, I, I just the one of the the visions like that kind of was. I mean, I I just remember the build out was so beautiful. The freaking waterfall, the the, <laughs> the lighting, the freaking bar top. I mean, like. But I remember walking out and just looking, and I'm like, "This is a this is a freaking nightclub, out of control scene right now." Like, like, like this is not a restaurant, and we are getting our asses handed to us. This is well, the, well and because I knew that, and I remember you know talking with her about this, and even Brandon and everybody that was involved in all of this. Oh and yeah, I remember the you know just in that moment thinking probably four months before was we want to get as many people in here as possible. I mean, this restaurant has to do some high volume. We have to do a lot of numbers. So we're just going to invite everybody and we're going to feed them and give them the experience. And you can't buy that sort of marketing, right? I mean, especially with you behind the kitchen and those recipes and everybody involved, it was, you were really doing some you know, cutting edge in Southern California, especially in Long Beach food. And um, the fusion was happening, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we were excited about that. And I think that's where the intention came from. But 
you know, being able to force, you know, foresee those potential problems is really what makes a great manager and leader. And that gave me the experience to be able to yeah, do that. But, but I, I don't think there's any... <laughs> I'm not taking any... all the responsibility. I'm just saying <laughs> there's part of me that, you know, I, I really got that as I should, you know, seeing the flood of people come in and they were just like manic. People were manic about wanting their free meal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it so. was, it was, it was intense. So it no wonder intense. you had a breakdown. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was the that was the begin that was like the tipping point of all the other. Wow. I mean, like you know, it's funny that you bring up that when I would went when I would have those blow ups that and that I was um, I was the you know a very harsh critic of myself because even even um, I used to go. I remember at Christie's behest, like before, well well before we opened Bonos, that I she was like we had some argument in the kitchen at one point at, at Christie's and, and then we went upstairs to the, to the private dining room and like had it out one night. And, and she's like, you, you need to, you need therapy, man. She's like, I mean, and I'm like, and I'm laugh. I laugh now looking back, having some sobriety under my belt because that her telling me that I needed therapy. I thought it's kind of ironic at this point, but, I was very grateful when I, I was like, okay. And she said, I'll pay for it as long as you want to go. And I remember I started going, but, um, I, I used to have this thing where like, if someone didn't like a dish, they didn't like me. Mm. And, and I would think about like, and then I would go back and I would think, okay, we did like on a busy night at, at Christie's when, when we had all the dining rooms, if we did like 350 covers, that's like close to a thousand plates of food. Like, you know, all told, like if they're having a salad and an appetizer and then entree or dessert or whatever, like, like if I just thought each person was going to have three plates in front of them during the course mm-hmm. of a meal. And if one of those, if one of them wasn't, if someone didn't like it, my whole day was gone. It was ruined. And you didn't oh. like me, and I was, I it was like, and I remember talking to talking to my therapist, who you and I both know, <laughs> and um, Game she, she was like, that's a, you know, like she helped me. It took several, several, probably months just to work through that one issue, and and now, and that was, I mean, I was probably twenty, I, twenty five or six. At that point, I mean, and, and you know, I took over Christie's in 1997. I was 23 years old. No business doing. No business doing that. That's the year my son was born. So that's yeah. that's my that's yeah. I mean, that's the year he was born. But you know, when you're talking about this, I just and that and it those sort of moments are the moments that really shifted me in my own life when I had those moments of, um, you know, I hear perfection when you talk about that. I hear, you know, that, that if you didn't do it perfect, that it was all shit, you know, and, and we all know what, there's no foundation to perfection. It doesn't exist. Right. And, and there's, and there's a lot of people out there, but um, Brene Brown, she talks about it as there's, um, 
it's the foundation is shame or guilt or some fear or some not enough or some whatever it is. And, and because if we're reaching for this perfection, which is never exists, it almost keeps us in this place of limbo of, of never being enough and not being able to feel the successes. So we don't really get to grow from anywhere. And so when we start internalizing all of that and, 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 you know, in the restaurant business, it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite places to see artists, you know, really in the, in the, in the wild. I, I really, I, I think of it that way. Food is an experience for me. Yeah. So it is always been a passion for, of mine, but it's one of the, the, because we get into such extreme, you know, emotional places to feed, you know, to do a thousand plates in three hours, it's fucking crazy. And what you have to do in a size of a 200 square foot room, yeah, 110 degrees and five bodies next to you to do that. I mean, within four steps is incredibly taxing and you push yourself to these incredible limits every single day, not every day, but you know, three days a week, at least maybe sometimes four, but that, that gets us to those heightened emotions. And those are the times that really taught me the biggest lessons of myself and watching people and, and internally and, and, fascinated about how to be able to shift that in those moments. So yeah. I went on a journey in my personal life early on because I had a lot of those in, in, you know, impactful, um, extreme moments because of, because of who my family was, my, my, you know, and my mother being, um, an addict who struggled with that her whole life and, and really, really passing because she, had a lot of patterns and a lot of belief systems and a lot of habits that created um, her physical body to break down. Right. But, you know, my dad has done an amazing job at dealing with whatever he's been able to deal with. And, you know, he's just turned into and an incredible human. I mean, not that he wasn't before, but I mean, he's, he just really is foundationally... No, he, he has dealt with a lot of stuff and, and chose to. Yeah. Yeah. And, really. and I mean, I, you know, I, I never had the pleasure of knowing your mother, but uh, definitely have the pleasure of knowing your dad who, mm. for people that are listening, it, her dad's Eddie Vedder, by the way. If... <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he knows didn't. Eddie, but he... <laughs> I, no, I just look at him and I'm like, that's Eddie Vedder. Right oh my there. God. I, I know. He looks, him, like, but... he looks like the dude, really. I mean, he kind of does. He, he does yeah. look like the dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But no, I mean, he's he's just a a sweetheart of a man. Yeah, so you incredible. you touched on a couple of things. Um, one is Brene Brown, and I read I read uh, Into the Wilderness mm. at, at the at you know at the urging of of a friend of mine. Um, and that book, I just I just rem I remember I started I started with the book and then I was like, well, I need I, I do better with audiobooks, so I downloaded mm -hmm. it on Audible. And uh I remember hearing her talk in the opening passage and I think it might have been even in the first chapter it was one of those like brought me to tears of of the accounts that she was relaying because I could relate. Mm -hmm. And and that that perfectionism of 
I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a, a blog post, re, you know, a while back, probably before the holidays, about not being enough or not feeling like I was enough, and still, I, you know, I'm I'm I've done much better with that, but but damn, I I will tell you, like, I go through periods of time where I just feel less than less than for my family, less than for my friends, less than for my children. You know, like I I just have these times where I'm like I just beat myself up as a human being when I you know, and it's like, God man, like it's it's really hard. And then I've I've gotten some tools or I've developed some tools to like change the perspective a little bit and like be able to take a step back and be like, well, this part's not real and this part's not real but but when you're going through it, the feelings are just it's devastating. Well, and what you're saying is so, what you're saying is so like really true and powerful. And the, and a lot of the, you know, really the work that I do is all about knowing this. So the, somewhere inside of me, I needed to, and I wanted to remedy that place and that piece of my self-esteem like I knew in intellectually rationally that the unintentional impact that my family's journey took on me the unintentional impact was about it that it actually wired in me that I created a belief system and not consciously created but it was created because of that being the you know the person in the witness position and the you know and the and the person that was getting all these side effects if you will from their behavior and actions but i didn't want to live that way and it felt really disempowering for me i i felt you know i mean playing small was part of my wiring going under the radar and 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 helping people under the radar was part of my belief system of my strength so it became a superpower for me but it was really connected to a wound yeah. and i had to learn how to separate all of that my wound so when you're saying what's really true right when you're when you're feeling that 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 belief system of that i'm not enough and really getting to that place of, and I call it like a space, like an observation space that occurs when the healing has happened, and then we can actually see the the impact of the of the pattern and how it's affecting our current life, right? And so that's my whole that's my whole life's work is getting people to hopefully get to that place that you just got to. I mean, that you've been getting to, which is, wait a minute. I feel this is really heavy. How much of this is actually occurring right now? How much of this is, am I really taking with me or has been inside of me? Because, you know, what happens is we believe all this stuff and it comes from this place of survival and we're learning who we are. Just like we're, you know, when we, when I went to go sit on this sofa, I didn't ask it permission. I didn't look at the sofa and go, what is this? No, I already knew. I already know what this sofa is. I know it's going to hold me. I know I'm going to sit on it. So those 
that's a pattern I'm talking about. Those subconscious connections all occur in the ages of, you know, one day to really to six or seven years old. We learn what is love. We learn who our identity is. We learn weak and strong. We learn all of these things. And it doesn't get zapped out of our brain. And it doesn't get zapped out of our wiring emotionally or any of that. And unless we can create some sort of, you know, and, and understand ourselves a little bit, and that's where, you know, we start to go deeper into the subtle system and the soul and really listening. And, you know, you've spent how many years of really looking at yourself and you've made it part of your journey to be better, you know, and not not everybody does that, right? Not everybody takes the time. So you have a little bit more of a viewpoint of seeing some of these things because you've spent the time into investing into it. But you know, what's happening is these patterns are automatically coming up and there's no distinction between the past of them and how they've impacted us in the past and, and, and what's in our present and no separation, not no, but I mean, it's very little unless you've actually spent the time to, to really separate them. Oh yeah. And, and it, it will take time. Sometimes it takes me where like I'm going through something and then, and then weeks have passed and then I'll look and I'll be like, I'll catch myself and I'll be like, Oh, holy shit. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing that old thing again. Or, you know, like it, it'll it take sometimes if I'm in it, I won't even recognize that I'm in it until further down the road. And I'm like, oh, ho- oh, holy shit. I got I got <laughs> I got to I got to stop, take a step back and then and then try to change what I, you know, figure out, like realize that, OK, well, that was a an old behavior or that was something, you know, that that I want to move away from or however. And and. And uh, language for me has been has been a big big part of it, um, you know. Understanding like there's a few books mm-hmm. that I've read over mm-hmm. the course of the last yeah, few absolutely. years that t- talk about, uh, you know, like how our subconscious will kick the negative the negative statement out, like like uh, you know what is it? Yeah, I I'm I'm not smoking. Or, you know, mm. and your subconscious kicks out the not and like, I'm smoking or I'm not a smoker or what, it, you know, like there's these weird ways that like our brain works. So I try to talk in a, in a different manner or positive manner. Like, like if you tell yourself, I don't want to forget, you're going to, you're more likely to forget something because of the okay, way that Okay, so you're... I, <laughs> yes, and I'm. I mean, what you're describing is so incredible. So, so because I grew up in this whole, you know, language of recovery, and I grew up with this, you know, psychology language and the more neuroscience of all of this. And there's this incredible book called The Mind and the Brain, and it talks about all this by Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz, and it really shifted my whole life, really. And um, so I have was saturated in the whole. Um, Again, like psychology, 12 steps, recovery, intention, the spiritual place. I had had a foundation of that since I was a really young person. And, sure. But what really happened for me was when I started to understand that the positive affirmations, like what you're saying, actually sometimes kept me in the loop of the problem. And 
even the negative or the positive affirmation kept me in the loop. And I didn't understand why that was, but I knew that happened. And I was on the search of finding a way to be and not be connected to the old any longer. And I, and I, and until I found and really started to understand two parts, the spirit soul part of us, and then the, the neuroscience part of this, which is if we don't understand our subconscious, there's trillions of neural pathways, there's trillions of wirings and patterns. We're not going to get all of them. But if we don't understand the ones that are not serving us today, then they automatically show up. They don't need permission. Like they don't need permission to sit on the sofa and know what it is. It's the same thing. But if we can see them and have an awareness around them, it really helps get it, get us more, you know, present to that. But we all know that just because we have awareness of it doesn't mean it changes, right? We all know that awareness doesn't always make you, just because I know I don't want to smoke doesn't make me not want to smoke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because I know I'm not healthy doesn't mean I'm Doesn't make me want to be healthy. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. So awareness, and at some point I saw that. Like a scientist, my brain works, right? So I'm like, and my body, and I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, just because I know this, we all know that we want to be better, doesn't make us better. So, but awareness around certain things is the first step. And what I found was, and not that I'm a scientist, but I'm an enthusiast, is that I found that when I went to a more like, like a zero point and somebody said this to me and it really impacted me. I think it was in my, this was before my son. So must've been my early twenties. They were like, why don't you just step back? And it was like somebody who had a spiritual connection. Why don't you step back and Zen out a little bit? And it was about, um, a behavior that was happening that I couldn't figure out how to stop going towards this unhealthy boyfriend, because right? that was a pattern for me. But why don't you zen out? And so what I started to do was I started to look at the me for a second in more of an observer. So when I was doing this, I felt a lot more power. I felt empowered. Like I felt like I had a little bit more information about this and that I could act differently. So later, fast forward, I don't know, 15 years, 10 years, when I picked up the mind and the brain and by Jeff, Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz, what they talked about is that if we at all, the science of this is that if we can see a pattern and then, and we positive it or we ignore it or we avoid it or we, you know, use it, whatever it is, put it in the cornfields. If we do the opposite of it, it actually stays big like a muscle. You can, as long as you're putting some attention, even though you're thinking that you're doing something opposite or you're, are you following me? So even if it's a negative attention or, or a positive attention, you're still putting attention to it. Even if yeah. it's avoidance, it's still putting attention to it. So it's a blood flow really, but it acts as a muscle. So if it's activated, it triggers. So when it wires, it fires. So how do we get that to atrophy? Well, what they say is, the only way we can get this to atrophy is by seeing it, saying no thank you, operating from a place of consciousness, a place of presence. Even though in the, in the, in the firing of the feeling of sh like shit, hold on, oh, this is automatically coming up for me. And the power of awareness is you're not acting as if. The power of awareness is you know where this is coming from. You know it's part of your old stuff. 
I'm not going to just, you know, and it, it feels like the old pattern feels like it's authentic. It does. So, so when you try to act up and you try to level up, it kind of makes you sometimes feel like you're a fraud or, you know, you're, you're be pretending or, or you're betraying it. But if you have an awareness around it and you say, no, thank you, there's power in that. But the key is in the brain is that you have to really step away from it, create that observer place, which is more of that neutral connection, which is more of that, that conscious, that higher self, that spirited self of us. Take a deep breath, be in the moment of it, say no, thank you, and then operate from the, that place of presence and then make an action from there in the face of not reacting to that. That changes the brain. That creates the new, the new neural pathway. Right. That is like freaking key to me because we, we talk ourselves through it. We talk ourselves over it. We talk ourselves away from it. And it's still connected to it. So if we really want it to quiet, if we really want that quiet voice to happen, we have to learn how to become more neutral and present and conscious. And that's where, you know, this whole elevation process really started when I was like, oh shit, I'm doing that. And I didn't know that I was doing that. This right. people need to know this. <laughs> people need to know that you don't have to sit on a mountain for 10 years, or you don't have to suffer in these patterns and keep going back and forth in them if you know them especially. A lot of people don't even know them, Matt, but you do. You know some of yours. You know a majority because you've been focused and paying attention to them. But the key really was in the, how the, the, you know, our, our neurology is plastid. We get to create new neural pathways. Nobody's going to zap them out. But giving them less energy, atrophy in them, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but knowing that yeah. by any means of, even if you heal, they still show up because they're still wired in you. Yeah. But how you can atrophy them is by saying no thank you, operating from a place of presence, and elevate up in that moment. And then it changes. And he doesn't really use that language, but in the essence, that's what I got from it. And I was like, and it really has impacted my life. I mean, people in the real world use that language. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that was my hope, right? I mean, yeah. I took some of the 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 sciency, all of these wiring, these things, but it's really been um, it's so exciting. And just even sharing that piece with you in that moment, it will shift that pattern of belief system. It really disempowers it. Yeah. So as it shows up for you in your body, you're going to recognize it. You're going to know that it's part of, and it's not like we want, it's not like I'm saying pretend that it doesn't exist. No, if that information is useful, then use it. But it's like, you know, you're in an elevator and the lights go out and you have trauma around a dark closed space and you're standing next to somebody who doesn't. It's not like the person that's, that doesn't, it's not going to have a reaction in that moment, but it's definitely not going to be the reaction that the person did that has a trauma around or a negative experience around something in the dark, right? Right. So, but in that moment, that person might not have any opportunity to know that that past trauma is showing up in their life because their body is telling them, run yeah. <laughs> or freak out. <laughs> and they don't have a choice in that, right? I mean, 
but they do. And that's that free will moment, that neutral place, that conscious place. And, um, but it's, uh, I just fully segued into, into my work, but it's so important because I spent so many years in my life in this old behavior and really feeling that I could fix things and give to people that, you know, I really had a hard time receiving. Mm 